Welcome to the journey of you, where we equip you to think with purpose, empower you to act in purpose, and encourage you to live on purpose. Hi, I'm Tony. I love to learn and I love to teach. As a coach, I get to do both. I get to learn about you and about the ways that I can help you. Then I get to teach you how to reach those goals you've set for yourself. Infidelity in my marriage has affected me unlike anything else that I have experienced. It stripped me of my confidence and self-worth and caused a level of insecurity that wasn't there before. I lost sight of who I was as a woman before I ever became a wife or a mother. But through God's love and grace, I slowly began to see myself as he sees me. Loved, chosen, accepted, enough, worth dying for. I realized that my identity was solely in Christ, not in a man or his actions, or his search to validate things in him that had nothing to do with me. I matter, and so do you. That's why I want to help you see yourself the way that God sees you, one mindset shift at a time. In order for you to get started today, you can go to www.thejourneyofyou.net forward slash five truths. Again, that's www.thejourneyofyou.net forward slash five truths. And let's get you started thinking with purpose today. In this journey called life, there are a lot of things that we face along the way. We grow up having a certain viewpoint of self, um, a certain way that we feel about who we are or maybe who we think we are and what we want to do with our life. And as we begin to grow up and life starts to happen, we change that viewpoint of self. Uh, sometimes it might be the opinion of someone else that maybe wasn't the most positive thing and Somewhere in there, we took that label on as truth, and we let it take root, and we began to believe that maybe that person's opinion was right. Maybe it's the roles that we fulfill. Maybe it's the title that we hold that that's our identity, and we hang on to that. And then if for any reason we no longer are in that role or no longer have that certain position with that title, we have no idea where to start. We're completely lost. I've been there. That's where I was at. When I was growing up, I knew exactly what I planned to do with my life and how I was going to do it, where I was going to go to school, what I was going to be. And as I got older, that started to change a little bit. And as I became friends with certain people or was even in a relationship with someone else, labels and opinions began to be attached to me of who I was. And it kind of became my identity, so to speak. Um, at one point I questioned, am I enough and who am I? One day I was driving in the car with my sister and she looked at me and was like, well, what do you like to do for fun? Hmm. What do I like to do for fun? I couldn't quite answer that question. I thought about different activities that I'm usually doing, but most of the time those are things that like my husband puts together and we all go along. Then I thought about, oh, well, I, I go here and I go there and I go do this. But each of those things are activities that my kids are involved in. I tried really hard to think of like, what's one thing that I personally like to do for fun? 
not my husband, not my kids, not something that's work-related, but something that's just uniquely mine. I couldn't think of one solitary thing. And I found that very sad and embarrassing. And I was actually ashamed. Who can't think of one thing that they like to do for fun? But I couldn't. And so it kind of shifted something in me that I was like, something's wrong. Somewhere in here, Tonya as a person has disappeared. It's been more my roles or my title, you know, or the things like where I'm serving and volunteering, but me as a person was hidden. And I didn't realize it until my sister asked me that question. Have you ever been there? Where you didn't realize that you were in a certain place that you needed to be woken up out of, but you didn't figure it out until someone else pointed it out to you. I don't even know if that was my sister's intent at the time. She just genuinely wanted to know what I like to do for fun because she was hanging out with me and she was like, let's go do something fun. And I couldn't answer her. And in that moment, I felt like something needs to change. Coincidentally, a few weeks later, as I had begun to think about, I need to do something different and I need to figure out what things I do enjoy and who, who the heck am I? Not me in relation to my kids, my husband, or my job, but who am I as a person without all those other things? In the midst of trying to figure that out, I came upon the last day of school. And my youngest child was in preschool at the time, and it was going to be a half day, which is typically what they do in um, our county on the last day of school. And I had already scheduled to work half a day. And so I was getting all my meetings and everything done that morning um, because my role was supposed to be 80% from home and 20% in the field. But that usually turned around and it was more like 80% in the field and 20% from home. And if you live in the Atlanta area, you know how crazy traffic is here. And so knowing that I needed to get to my son, who ideally was only 30 minutes away, I had already planned to have everything done by 11.15 so that it gave me an additional 30 minutes for traffic, for construction, or anything else that would hold me up on the way to getting to him. And so I hopped in the car and was heading towards his side of town when my boss called me. And he was like, I want you to come meet me right now. There's some other stuff that I want to do and go over. And I said, okay, well, I appreciate that and I understand, but I'm scheduled to be off now. I need to go pick up my son. It's a half day of school. Well, that'll have to wait. You need to come now. Okay, I understand. But again, I can't. There's no one else that can go pick up my son right now. I have to go get him. That's why I was scheduled for a half a day. And so my boss was like, well, okay. If you're not going to work the rest of the day today, then you'll have to come in tomorrow. I said, um, first of all, I'm scheduled Monday through Friday. I am off on the weekends. Well, you can't be off the weekend and work half a day today. I said, will you approve that in advance? And I'm actually going out of town tonight because it's Memorial Day weekend. And you already approved for me to take Monday off for the holiday. And then I'm working Tuesday through Friday. Like, my days off are Saturday and Sunday. You can't tell me I have to come in. And I said, I have to get my son. He was like, you need to come and meet me now. I said, well, I can't. The next sentence out of his mouth changed everything for me from that day to now. 
he said, well, that sounds like a personal problem to me. Let me get this straight. <laughs> me going to pick up my son, who is getting out of school in one hour that I already scheduled to work half a day today so that I could go get him. You're telling me that me going to get him is a personal problem, that it's more important and more of a priority for me to come and meet you instead and just let him sit there. Got it. Needless to say, I went to go pick up my son. And I was very mad. Because I felt like, how dare you tell me that me going to pick up my son is a personal problem and make it seem like you and this job are more important than me going to take care of him. Not even to mention the fact that if you're not there by 1225, you have a 10 minute grace period, you start being charged a dollar a minute for after school care until you get there. Didn't that that wasn't even the point. Not to mention the fact that my son who expected me to be there would have been alarmed if I didn't show up on time and how he would have felt. And the fact that there was literally nothing else I could do. It was either go meet my boss or go pick up my son. What would any parent do in that situation? The fact that he wanted me to choose, I had a hard time with that. And I already told you that I was completely lost in my roles of wife and mother. So absolutely, I was going to go and get my child. It made me know right then and there that there's a better way and that this is not what I'm supposed to be doing. This environment isn't working. It's a toxic environment. And on the journey of me figuring out who I am, one thing I know that I'm not is I'm not going to be your doormat. I'm not going to be treated any kind of way and you are not going to talk to me any kind of way. That was totally solidified in that moment. I didn't know what next was going to look like, but I knew that I couldn't stay where I was at. Have you ever been there where you're at a transition point that maybe you didn't even realize the transition was coming, but when it came, you knew that you could not continue on the same way that you had, that something had to change. That is where I was at in that moment. And so I picked up my son I went home and finished the rest of the administrative work I was going to do for the day, the parts that I was approved to do from home. And then I went out of town. It was weighing heavy on me, though, because it was just like, when I do get back, what is that conversation going to look like? What am I going to say? What is the plan? Because ultimately, I still have to have an income to help take care of my family along with my husband. But I don't want to do it on these terms. So I was at a crossroads. So I tried to enjoy the weekend and still have my kids have a good time and enjoy it. It was the kickoff to summer. Um, and so we did and came back into town on Monday evening. And so Tuesday morning, I was set to go and meet my boss in person, last minute meeting. Um, because again, he didn't want me to go out of town. He wanted me to just work the weekend instead because in his mind, life doesn't matter. It's all about him and his business. And so... I went to meet him. That was not a very pleasant conversation. And it was hard 
because it made me question yet again, why am I not enough? And why does my value that I bring not warrant you to talk to me like I'm a grown woman, just like you're a grown man? Why do you feel the need to talk down to me as if you are better than me or if your, as your kids are more important than mine? Like when his kids are out, his wife goes to get them. He wouldn't dare tell her, don't bother going to get them, come do this instead. But it was like my kids didn't matter. And that's what I had a hard time with because I am just as important as you are. And so, again, wasn't a pleasant conversation. And eventually he told me to get out. I said, okay, that's fine. And I walked out the door. No idea what I was going to do next. But I knew that I wasn't going to just go and apply to just anywhere and just so I could say, oh, I have a job. I wanted it to be meaningful and purposeful. And I prayed. I was like, God, help me to find the next best thing for me that I can grow and continue on this journey of learning who I am and also not just settle. I want it to be fulfilling where I can grow, but I can also pour out to other people and I'm free to be me. And at the time I was still learning what me looked like, but again, I already knew exactly what me wasn't and what I wasn't going to accept in that toxic environment. I knew I needed to get out of that because it wasn't helping. It was just help. It was helping me to shrink more as opposed to blossom into who I'm supposed to be. And so I set out on a journey of becoming more self-aware. And even in the new role that I landed, <laughs> which just shows that it was a godsend, that there were a lot of personality assessments to help you be more self-aware. Up until that point, I had already taken the Myers-Briggs um, and I had also taken the DISC profile. So I knew where I was at on both of those, but it had been a while since I looked at them. And so they were actually part of the application process. <laughs> and I was like, I hadn't seen that before. And so um, I was able to go back over them. And it showed me a few things about myself, especially in terms of really enjoying interacting with people. Um, I'd say at that time I was more of an extrovert. <laughs> um, and I just, I loved that people interaction. But I didn't realize until later that I'm actually more of an ambivert. Like I can be totally full on charged and pouring out to people and entertaining and talking to people. But then I have to have that time where it's like I need that time alone, like an introvert, where I can process and reset and get refreshed and reflect and then jump in again. And so I, I realized I have to have a little bit of both. And so the Enneagram was introduced to me <laughs> and I learned that I was a three wing too. And that's an achiever and a helper. I was actually equally the same on both of those. Um, I was like 10.7 on the achiever and a 10 on the helper. And it was so eye-opening because for so long, I couldn't understand why I didn't quite fit. Like, I've been an admin before. I've been in HR as a generalist and as a specialist. I've been an HR manager. I've worked in restaurants. I've worked in childcare. And usually it falls in one of those two areas. But each time it was like it would fit parts of me, but not all of me. And so it was like I would try to fit into this mold. But I'm not a mold type of person. <laughs> um, meaning 
I don't fit into the mold. That is something I've always known about myself, but I never could understand why. And so each time that I try to fit myself into this box here, or put myself in this box here, or if this person gave their opinion, especially if they were someone close to me and they were like, well, you should actually be doing this. I think you're better at this. And I would try it, but it never quite fit just right. And I could always tell when it was like, you know, a butterfly in their cocoon when they're trying to like get out and break free. That's how I would be feeling. Not that anybody had done anything or said anything, nothing like that. It was just like seasons. And it was like, okay, I'm coming on the end of a season and it's time for the next thing. But I couldn't figure out what the next thing was. That is where I had the hardest time. And it wasn't that I was just like, oh, I'm not satisfied with this. I'm not satisfied. It wasn't that at all. It was just me trying to blossom. And you know how a flower or a plant, you have it by a window and all of a sudden all the leaves start leaning towards where the sunlight is? That's how it was for me. It was like I was trying to figure out where's the sunlight. Um, it's too dim. Where's the sunlight? And just trying to figure out where do I fit? And I will say in the last three years, I have started to learn that more than I ever have in my entire life. I'll be 40 in November. And the wealth of things that I have learned just even in the last three years in reflecting and searching for who I am has been a game changer. And I know that I was created to empower other people to become all that God created them to be. And I understand that's why I've been fought so hard in figuring out who in the world I am and who God created me to be because the enemy was trying to keep me from being able to help other people do the same. But now I know whose I am. <laughs> and so he can't stop me anymore. And when I tell you he has thrown everything at me to try to prevent me from getting there, he has thrown everything. I've questioned my value. I've questioned my worth. I've questioned whether or not I matter. But I have learned that I do. I do matter. And the reason I couldn't fit in anybody else's box or mold is because I wasn't created to do that. I was created to break the mold and to change the atmosphere, to shift things around me and to create something from nothing. Um, that That is my gifting. I create, I, I'm a visionaire. And so you can come to me and say, hey, I'm trying to do this, or I would like to do this, but I'm not sure how. I can tell you how to do it. You might be at point A and you need to get to point Z. I come in and tell you how to go from B to Y so that you can get to Z. I didn't know that before I started the journey of figuring out who I am. And so now you can ask me what I'd like to do for fun and I can easily answer that for you with no problem. But it took a journey to get there. The only reason I even started the journey was because there was that shift where it was like, well, who are you? Like, what do you like to do for fun? Hadn't thought about it, hadn't crossed my mind until someone asked me the question. And that pushed me into the, okay, I need to go on a journey of figuring that out. I used to be able to answer that. How come I can't anymore? Where in there did I stop knowing that I mattered as a person, as a woman, completely aside from everything else I had ever been through or done? And... I started to backtrack. I noticed that when I was a child and both my parents were in the military and they both became drill sergeants at the same exact time for two and a half years. 
and that is 16 hour days um, of training new soldiers that are coming into the military. And so, and they're usually nine to 10 week cycles at a time. And so because of that, we couldn't live with my parents during that time and I was eight. And so we had to go live with my aunt a couple of hours away. First time I ever had to be away from my parents. No fault of theirs, but I will say that's where my first feelings of abandonment came in. Because it was like, well, why why wasn't I enough that you didn't choose something else to be able to stay with me? Like, why? Why? You know, and I mean, my siblings as well. And so there was that issue of, well, I don't want to be abandoned again. And so two and a half years, you know, we weren't with them. And, you know, that entered in. And so it kind of, I, I didn't know it. I couldn't have articulated that to you at the time. This is since I've been an adult and gone through counseling um, and really just tried to, again, find who I am, that I uncovered that that's where it actually started. Um, and then even just fast forwarding a few years from that of, you know, being on a college campus and heading out to go meet a friend for dinner and being kidnapped at knife point. And I remember trying to figure out how, how do I survive and get out of this? Um, again, as a military brat, you always learn, improvise, adapt, and overcome. And so that is like a part of my DNA, to be quite honest with you. And so in every situation I learned, how do I improvise, adapt, and overcome? But in some instances, that was to my detriment. Um, in this particular case, it helped me um, because I was driving the vehicle and um, the perpetrator was behind me um, in the back seat and he had the knife to me. And at that time I was driving a Mercury Tracer and it had the seat belts that automatically come over you when you close the door. Um, and it has a lap belt that you have to attach. And so I reached my hand down and undid the lap belt. And I was like, the only way I'm going to get away is if I get out of this car while I'm driving. And I was doing about 45, 50 miles an hour. Um, and the destination he had told me to stop at, um, I had said something was going to be there, but it was still being built. It wasn't even there yet. And so I was like, it's either I jump out now or I pull in here and he sees that the place isn't even here. And I, I don't know what's going to happen. And so as I crossed through the stoplight, I, I had already reached over and unlocked the door because it was automatic lock as soon as you start the car. And so I unlocked the door, opened the door, and I jumped out. Um, I was completely barefooted um, because prior to us driving, it made me take everything off. And so I just had slipped back on my shirt and my pants. Snow was all over the ground. And I just started running. And I was waving down whatever next car, you know, would answer. And my car, like, hopped the curve further down. And a lady picked me up, and I called my friend that I was going to meet. Um, and she took me to his house and from there I got in the car with him and we went back to the scene of where I jumped out and there were police everywhere and you know he started talking to the police telling them you know what happened and they were like okay they'll take care of you know trying to find the person you know but I needed to go to the hospital and at that point he called my dad you want to talk about a tough conversation that was tough um my mom and dad got in the car and were there within an hour. Um, it elicited a fear I had never had prior to that. When I left out of the house to go, I'd say it was about 1130 at night. And 
usually I don't get off until after midnight anyway from work um, because I'm in class all day and then I go to work at night. And so to be outside at that time of night didn't bother me, but campus was pretty much deserted at the time because it was during the holidays. I stuck around because I was working. And so, you know, my parents' house was about an hour away. And so I had been with them for Christmas. Um, and then I came back. It was like maybe the 26th of December. I came back again so I could go to work. And so I got home, changed, and went out, and we were going to go get something to eat. And he was out there waiting for me. And even though I screamed, maybe there were two other people on the entire campus at the time, there was nobody there to hear me. And so we went back. Um, the next morning after I got out of the hospital, they told me that they had found him. Um, they actually tracked his footprints from my car all the way back to his front door. And he was sitting in his house when they got there. Um, and he confessed that I was actually his second victim that evening and, you know, they had caught him and that there would be, you know, a court date and everything and that we'd have a chance to speak to him if we wanted to and then he'd be sentenced. And I wrote him a letter and I read it, but the fear that it brought on, even though he was caught and I knew he was in jail and that he was going to be there a long time. It made the dark a very scary place for me. And so after a certain time of night, I wouldn't even want to go outside. And so I packed up all my stuff and my parents took me back home with them and I moved back in with them. Um, and my school had a satellite campus in the same town as where my parents were. So I just started going to that instead. Um, and it took six months before I could return back to the main campus. Um, and I moved to a different part of campus. Um, But again, it was another layer. It was another scar. I wasn't still physically wounded, but the emotional wounds were there. And those can last a long time. And so it was like, okay, that fear is there, but I'm gonna I'm gonna keep trying. And so everywhere I went, I made sure I had somebody else with me. I also changed my schedule to where I was home by a certain time. Um or I'd have my roommate, like, you know, look out the door and, you know, wait for me. And I did the same for her, things like that. Um, but I was a lot more cautious. And so from there, you fast forward a little bit more. And it's like, I had graduated, but my degree didn't match my experience. And so I had plenty of years of experience, four or five by that time, but it didn't match what my degree was in. And so it limited what I was able to do and where I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I have my college degree. I can go do anything. That was not the case. And so door after door kept closing. And it was just like, why am I not enough? There it rose again. Why am I not enough? And so you see, as you're going through life, these different layers of things that keep packing on and packing on and packing on. And you're like, what do I do now? where do I go from here? And so it felt like I kept hitting up against those walls as life kept happening. And so then to get to the point where, okay, well now I'm married and I have children. And, you know, then there was an affair in my marriage. And it once again made me question, why am I not enough? Especially at the time, because I was working, I was serving in church a lot and it was like, where, where did I go wrong? You know, why? We always ask that question, why? 
And that was the thing I kept hearing over and over again. You're not enough. You don't matter. You're not enough. Look at all these instances where you weren't enough. And that lie from the enemy got stronger and stronger and stronger. And it took root in me so much so that I believed it. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. It tells us that in scripture. You have to be careful what you believe, especially when it's the opinions of others or lies that the enemy has told you, or even things that you start to say about yourself that you speak out into the atmosphere. Like your faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Well, if you're constantly speaking out negative things about yourself, you're going to eventually internalize that and it's going to take root. And then you've got to figure out how to dig that up and to replace that with who God says that you are. And that's the point I had to get to because it was like, okay, I need to pour everything into being a better wife and a better mom and making sure that, you know, my kids, I'm never away from them, that they know I'm there at all times. Looking back now, sometimes I wonder if that was really the best decision. Yes, it was difficult being away from my mom and dad for that two and a half years, but it also allowed us to learn a little bit of grit and resourcefulness. And there were things we had to survive and figure out where they weren't just right there to tell us what to do or how to do it. And so we gained a little bit of, I don't want to say independence because we were still kids, but we got some tenacity. And so as we grew up and went through different things and, you know, moving every couple of years and, you know, getting to know new places, new friends, things like that, we learned how to adapt and be flexible, improvise, adapt and overcome. And so we became stronger with each thing. And so to get to that point of saying, okay, well, I'm going to make sure that I never have to leave my kids. Cause I, I signed up for air force ROTC. I did junior ROTC all through high school and I signed up for air force ROTC in college. And I did the first couple of semesters. I had already been sworn in, but there came another day where we were getting ready to leave for training and we we're doing the final prep and had to make sure that all of our equipment was there. And I think I might've been missing one pair of socks. Like it was to me something very trivial and minute. And that guy was in my face screaming at me at the top of his lung because I was missing that one pair of socks. It was another one of those moments that it was just like, this is not for me. I have a heart for the military, 110% super patriotic, very thankful for all of those who have served, but I couldn't serve in that capacity. I didn't want anybody telling me when I could go here, when I could do that, where I had to live, when I had to move. I wanted my freedom. That is something I've always known, no matter what position I was in, no matter how I was being treated or what I was facing in life, my freedom mattered to me freedom to make decisions of what I wanted to do, how I wanted to do it, when I wanted to do it. That is something that has never left me. I haven't always known quite how to explain it or articulate it or even ask for it, but I knew it was something in my heart of hearts that I needed because that's just how I was programmed. And so to lose sight of all of that and to be on the back burner and to just pour myself into everyone else, I burned out. So when my sister said, what do you like to do for fun? Literally that simple question changed everything because it was like, why do I not know that? Why do I not know who I am? 
and who I'm supposed to be. So I started back on that journey of, okay, let's figure that out. It took a lot of prayer, a lot of journaling for me. Writing is therapeutic. And so I wrote and I wrote and I wrote. And to even go back now and see how maybe it was 2012 and 2015, I wrote the same thing. 2017, wrote the same thing. And it was like, why am I still going around this same circle and I haven't improved? And so that became my focus, like one step at a time. I'm going to improve. I matter. And finding scriptures that lined up with that, that I matter, that I am loved, that even though there may be people in your life that love you conditionally, God loves you unconditionally. There's not one thing that you can do to separate yourself from him and his love. No matter what you do, he's still going to love you anyway. Even in the moments that you're mad at him, even in the moments that you might be disappointed or upset that he didn't answer a prayer a certain way or do something a certain way in your life, he still loves you. That to me was free because it meant I'm not perfect and God knows I'm not perfect, but it's not going to stop the way that he loves me. That was huge. Then it was the fact of knowing that I am enough. He told me so in his word and he's not man that he could lie. So everything that he says in his word is truth. So if he says that I'm enough, no matter how anybody else reacts to me, no matter what anybody else says, if they criticize, judge, no matter how they feel, I don't have to accept their truth as my truth. Their opinion is their opinion, and they are 100% in control of that. But I'm in control of how I react and how I respond. So that was huge for me. So those truths, you matter, you are loved, and you are enough, became like my motto. I kept saying it over and over again. If I posted a picture on Instagram, I put it on there. If I posted something um, on my blog page, I put it in there. Like they became my hashtags because I needed to remind myself and also teach other people. From there, I learned that you can't pour from an empty vessel. And so it's great that I was serving my husband, serving my kids, serving, you know, my community, volunteering, doing great at work. But if you're constantly pouring out and you never pour back in, eventually you're going to run out of steam. And so it was like, okay, I have to make sure that I'm replenished. So finding those things that I like to do for fun, I need to schedule time to do those things. I don't care if it's sitting in the bathtub for 20 minutes with a bunch of bubbles around and you're just sitting there in peace and quiet. If you have to lock the bathroom door just so nobody comes in, just so you could have five minutes of peace, you have to find those ways to replenish yourself. Because if you don't, you will burn out. You have to replenish yourself and stay connected to your source, which is God. Nobody else can bring you happiness, joy, peace, except for him because we're all human. We're all going to make mistakes no matter what. At some point, inevitably, some person is going to disappoint you. So they can't be the source of your happiness, peace, or joy. Those are choices that you have to make. You have to find peace and joy and happiness with yourself and with God in order to be able to pour anything out to anybody else. That way, if they're having a rough time or a rough season or they're in a rough patch and maybe they're lashing out at you and saying all kinds of rude and mean things, you don't have to internalize it because you're confident in who you are. You know whose you are and that God has you. So even if their opinion of you right in that moment, maybe you made a mistake and they lashed out and said something that was very hurtful, you don't have to take that on because you know who God said you are. And you can repeat that. 
every single day, whether it's on a post-it note or a t-shirt that you wear, something that's reminding you constantly of who God says you are, because you're going to constantly hear negative stuff, and you've got to know how to navigate through what's truth and what's not. And so that brought me to the scripture that says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like unto it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. I have heard that scripture all my life. Here in the last couple of years, it has taken on a completely different meaning. Because now that I know that I matter, and I'm enough, and I am loved, it was like, okay, God, what's the next layer in this that helps me to stay in this knowing where I don't revert back to where I forget who I am? Love God. Okay? You were to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. So, love God. That's number one. Next, love yourself. And then love others. Always in that order. And someone was like, well, why do you say, you know, you got to love yourself and then love others? Well, that's what he said. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. That means I can't love you as my neighbor if I don't love me myself. Because how can I love you if I don't love myself? How can I pour out and give anything to you? If I don't have anything in me to pour out. So absolutely, I have to love God first, then love myself, then I can love other people. And I have to always do it in that order because God has to be first. Then I have to choose me to make sure that I'm staying full and equipped, connected to him so I can then pour out to other people without it depleting me and my reserve and what I have in me. That for me was huge. And so it was like every situation from there it was like, I'm going to do it in that order. I may not show up as the best wife every single day. I may not show up as the best mom. Who does? <laughs> it, it's a learning process. And parenting nowadays, to me, is like the scariest thing ever. Because there's so many things competing for your kid's mind and for their life and their attention that you've got to still navigate through there where they can still hear you and receive from you. And so it's very tough. You're not going to get that right every day. But the thing you have to know is that's okay. Same thing with being a spouse. You won't get that right every day either. That is a work in progress continually for the rest of your life. And that's okay. You've got to get to a point of being okay with being a work in progress. <laughs> the journey of you is a lifelong journey. And so there's always areas that you can grow and improve. So that's why you just take it one step at a time. And for me, it was shifting those mindsets of the things that I had taken on from my childhood all the way up through adulthood and labels that I had heard or the opinions of other people, being able to navigate through that and figuring out, okay, I can take that and learn from that. I can dump that and let that go. Oh, okay, yep, I'll take a little bit more of that. That makes sense. I'll work on that. Let me let that go. And so learning what you can keep and what to discard so that you can keep growing. But it all starts in your mind. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he those mindsets and perspectives about yourself is what you have to solidify and have the foundation of that so then you can grow from there and build on that from there in order to become that better version of you. So that is the whole point um, of the journey of you and our community. So I would love to invite you um, to check out our website. It's uh, whereyourlifebegins.com. That's W-H-E-R-L-I-F-E. Y-O-U-R begins, B-E-G-I-N, with an S on the end, dot com. 
there in the community, I have some free resources for you that will help you with those first few steps of shifting your mindset and figuring out, well, who am I? So that you are able to start that journey of you. And from there, um, inside the community, there are a lot more resources, courses, um, coaching, community calls, um, group coaching as well, where everybody is able to share freely um, right there in the community, talk with each other, share best bets, ask questions, and we can all walk this journey of life together. So I appreciate your time and being able to share my story with you, and I look forward to connecting. Um, stay tuned for our next speaker next week. Uh, that's also going to tell you about her journey, where she started, some of the things that she went through and experienced and how tough that was, but what she was able to do to overcome to be who she is today. So I look forward to connecting and hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's show. We hope that you are leaving feeling equipped to think with purpose, empowered to act in purpose, and encouraged to live on purpose. If you aren't sure where to start and you would like to have the first five truths to help you build that foundation to start thinking with purpose, head over to thejourneyofyou.net forward slash equipped. Again, that's thejourneyofyou.net forward slash equipped so that you can download those first five truths of getting you started to think with purpose and really pursuing all that God created you to be. I'm excited to do this journey with you. Remember, this is your journey. It's where your life begins.